Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. G'day, uh, my name is Milan Jerkovic. I'm the executive chair of Luna Mining. Uh, we're a developer and producer uh, with an exciting exploration portfolio as well of gold in the central part of New South uh, Western Australia. Uh, at the northern end of the main gold belt in, in, in Western Australia. We are currently in the process of uh, expanding production from 50,000 ounces to about 120,000 over the next 12 months. And we're in the middle of that process now with a view to then continue and develop a very large drilled resource of about 6 million ounces in a single ore body to double that production over the following three years. Milan, good to see you. We haven't seen you for, I think, just over a year. It's, and what a funny year it's been for precious metals. How have you been? Well, look, we've performed very well on the ground. We've set out uh, to, to basically stabilise our operations, produce some cash flow for what we're doing now, and get going with a fairly ambitious um, plan to expand production. The first stage of that now is almost 75% complete and heading for uh, commissioning in a few months. Uh, and then a lot of drilling to support a large feasibility study to actually look at the doubling production. So we're very happy with with the, the what we've done so far on the ground. Clearly, there's been a side movement in terms of stock prices for all companies in gold these days, and that's a little bit disappointing for our shareholders. And all. we will hopefully see that turn around once we get more more production and, uh, and de-risk in the asset over the next 12 months. Yeah, it, it, like I say, interesting, interesting time for precious metals. Like, you know, sideways seems to be the new up um, at, at the moment for now. But um, let, let's talk about some of the things you talked, said to me last week, Matt. You said you're going to look at five areas of the business. This was your mantra back then. You were, you were going to look at your balance sheet, operational cash. We talked a little bit about gold concentrate, expanding the production, and obviously exploration as well. Okay. So those things you said will cure what you had inherited from Blacken, right? Because that, that you, you were yeah, early days great, when yeah. we spoke. So, have has it worked? Has it worked? I know you, you got in, you've got the production levels up and you're you're aiming high, but has it worked? Do you think the market has recognised it? Uh, yeah, and no, I believe the market has recognised the uh, balance sheet repair. If you look at our half year the full year results, sorry, that we published recently, we were actually a profitable mining company uh, with a twenty million dollar profit, Aussie profit, and a cash flow of about thirty million from operations. That obviously contributed to balance sheet repair. We then raised some debt, 42 million US, to finish the current construction work and, and some equity from shareholders to make sure we had enough liquidity to get on with what we need to do. So our balance sheet at the moment is very strong. Uh, clearly, we're consuming the cash that we have at the moment, investing it in getting the stage one production built. From that point, we should we should be... Uh, building cash flow once we achieve commercial production. Now, commercial, commercial production will be something like six months after we commission the concentrator towards the end of this year. Uh, and I look forward to the market recognising that that long, long, longer-dated business and cash flow that the operation will produce. So, but, but tell me about the margins here, because obviously you did, you've got that forty-two million um, term loan um, from Mercuria. So that helps. You produced what twenty million? You, you said there. So it, it's all a little bit tight at the moment. So what's the point at which you can sort of flex your muscles and say, right, okay, let's let's really start being a, a profitable commercial economic gold producer in Australia, which has benefited from some high gold prices. Yeah, really, we will be at that point middle of next year, towards the end of this financial year. We're in a very construction 
orientated phase. Now we're a builder of the mine, essentially. Any cash flow that we produce in parallel is just supporting that, that uh, construction work. And the money is essentially being invested in drilling, mine development and infrastructure to support our ambitions, to not just for stage one, which is the 120,000 ounce run rate, which will be commercial in June next calendar year, but the ambitions to go beyond that, having, having achieved and demonstrated clear commercial production for the first part. So, but when, when do we get into the understanding the economics? In fact, when do you get into understanding the economics better so you can give guidance as to, you know, how profitable this thing is? Because, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's been a challenge, Matthew. And the reason the, the challenge is we have uh, resources that were previously based on the drilling that we had. So we've just done 178,000 metres of drilling in the last 18 months, which is not in any of the economics that we are publishing. So we are, we are telling people to be patient we will get the resource numbered out in October. Then it'll take three or four months to do the modeling, to produce the economics around this vast inventory that we've drilled up that's not currently in our planning. And we expect the economics to be good because we're gonna, we expect the high grades and more metal in the development areas that we currently have blanks in, in our mine. So they're the two things that are gonna drive the economics. And the other one is our metallurgical work and engineering is now showing us a path to an additional 5 to 7% recovery of gold on site through gravity and leaching, which also enhances the economics. So scale, grade, metallurgy is all heading in the right direction. Unfortunately, until we do the proper reserve type calculation, feasibility work, we really can't give more than general guidance as to where we are with our economics. Okay, fine. And and so where where's the bulk of the money going in, t- in terms of you know if you were if you're prioritising it as you clearly are, what's more important to you is is exploration going to take a bit of a hit until you get this thing up and running and functioning, and optimised middle of next year, or do you think you can continue the exploration at current run rate? So we just put an announcement out this week, which basically clearly indicated to the market what we're doing, which is we're, we're, we're scaling down drilling from eight rigs to three underground only. And those three rigs underground are supporting rate control and, and immediate mine development areas and reserve extensions. General exploration work will be scaled down until we get to cash flow that can, that can support that exploration work going into sometime in the, in the, in the, towards the middle of next year. And, and the reason for that essentially is that we, we really need to make sure that our balance sheet is, 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 is totally being utilised towards uh, the stage one production and completion and finishing the feasibility study, which is going to demonstrate to the market the scale of this and, and value of this 250,000 ounce potential, uh, you know, 100, 1.5 million tonne per annum underground mine, which has a substantial drilled resource that we need to commercialise. Uh, beyond that, we have lots of plenty of exciting exploration targets. Our shareholders are, are keen to see that, uh, but clearly we need to be able to fund that from from uh, from cash flow, uh, and, and that will gear up substantially once we can do that. Okay, so the, your, your Aussie shareholders are keen to obviously see what's coming through in October, and then obviously you know very quickly in Q1, you know, sense of the economics around this thing. But are you looking to new markets? Are you looking to perhaps list elsewhere? So essentially, uh, Aussie shareholders are very small. In fact, they're, they're, they're the smallest grouping of shareholders we have on our register. Our biggest shareholder, in fact, is a German uh, investor called the uh, Delphi uh, Group, about 34%. Our next biggest shareholder is actually a fund out of Toronto uh, and then North America and, and then the London market with quite a few 
institutional and high net worth type shareholders. We we are investigating the potential uh, at, at the instigation of our shareholders to actually list on the Standard Board in London over the next few months, and we are progressing that. And the view, the reason for that is that uh, yeah, sh- there are there are people interested in this company, particularly in the UK market. They would only invest if we were on their board rather than on a, on a list of a different board. And secondly, our shareholder base effectively is European and London-centric. So we want to be closer to them as well. So we are pursuing that, and I think that will be successful. It'll give, us, it'll give us potentially a deeper market of funding because the Australian market obviously has a lot more opportunity, a lot more players, uh, and, and we have a large asset here that will need deep market support over the next three or four years. Yeah, well, well, and 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 maybe sooner rather than later. I mean, do you foresee some kind of rights issue coming up if you do do the London listing to be able to, you know, kind of release the balance sheet even more? Because you know, it, like you said, you've been clear, it's tight. The money's going back in the ground. Um, you, you've got a few things to do. You know, what sort of what sort of capital rights are we talking about? Yeah, so look, we've got a lot of discussion with our board and our current debt financiers and then strategic partners regarding the shape and timing of stage two, which is a which is a big funding requirement. That probably won't be looked at until March, April next year. So there's no raising contemplated as part of a standard listing. That's just a compliance listing so we can get ourselves exposure on that board. Uh, in terms of how that funding is done and when, well, we will have time. We'll, I guess let's see whether the market recognises what we've done, what is our share price, what, what is an appropriate shape of debt equity, uh, and that'll get a lot of attention over the next six months. And we don't have to rush. If the market's not recognising where we're at or it's not, the timing's not right, we can wait to get to get it right so we can fund uh, in an orderly fashion that stage two once the board's got a, a feasibility study that's approved and, and, and a demonstration as to what additional non-equity type funding that's reasonable can be brought to the table. Was it so? Just kind of looking back again to the conversation we had last June, but or July, I think it was maybe. Um, where obviously with with Blackham, they they had they had problems. You felt you understood what those problems were and and how to how to work around them. I mean, I mean, did you come across any technical obstacles in the in the early days which you perhaps didn't foresee? You know, were things a bit slower out of the gate than you imagined? And you know, how did you resolve them? Look, with an, uh, an operation that's quite old and there's always some legacy issues that you can define, none of them are fatal or big enough to concern me too much. The biggest obstacle, to be quite honest, is the vast database of drilling and information, which we had to totally unravel various geological models that didn't were not compatible. And we've got that much data that, in fact, we're getting to the point where we almost need a supercomputer to be able to run it as a single exercise, so we have to break it down. So, so the biggest challenge is actually data and, and, and mashing all the new geological uh, models with underground workings in a way where the engineers have a, a, a clear set of information from which to do the engineering. Uh, and we continue. I mean, we, we've got you know, lots of geologists and resource geologists on the job now. It is not an not a insignificant task to do that job. Uh, but we've done a lot now. We've reset it. We've got a base set of models that will now be improved going into October. And I think we've overcome that. And then the other one is, of course, over the last 12 months, is the lack of new skilled labour coming into the Western Australia. So retaining 
and 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 getting good value people to the coal face, whether it's at the computer to do the resource modeling on on the ground to start mine development, has been a significant challenge, and it will continue. By the way, we've we've done okay. Our overall plan to get to commissioning is in the quarter we said, but we are lagged by two and a half months. We're to the back end of that quarter in terms of execution, purely due to some of these some of these time. I mean, even some of our equipment was manufactured in Bangalore. Getting it out of Bangalore to Australia was delayed because of COVID issues over there. But look, we, it hasn't been insignificant, but we have managed it. I believe my team's managed it extremely well, and we've certainly handling it at the moment, but it is a challenge. Yeah, no, I was, I was going to ask you about, you know, personnel, getting, either getting personnel in and out of, and, and out of state, let alone country, um, and also the, the cost of transportation, whether you've experienced delays, et cetera. And, you know, and, and, you know, generally, you know, costs going up across the board for mining, certainly in Western yeah. Australia. Yeah. With that going on, with that backdrop, you know, you've got something, we're, we're certainly talking about the PowerPoint of, um, an ASIC of, you know, you know, just under 1800 Aussie. With that backdrop, where do you see the savings coming from, you know, going down the line with this? Is it a case of just increase yeah, of yeah. increasing the three? Yeah. So, the job so as, I, as I mentioned, scale is very important for Maluna, it's such a large asset. So your fixed costs are spread over a larger scale. Grade, if I can improve the grade by gram, it moves the dollars significantly on, on the initial years, which I think we can. And the second one is the development costs per tonne mined. So filling in the areas that didn't have all that we're currently developing in. So, and the recovery going up. And that all points towards a, an asset that I think will be very good for stage one, uh, in my view. Not, not, not sort of world beating, it's been sort of around that, that 1500 uh, Aussie, you know, 1200 US uh, or so um, uh, for now. When you double production, you look to significantly reduce that again. So that's the reason we're pushing so hard to get this feasibility done and match the scale of the ore body with the cost structure because it needs that scale to get this cost structure to the right place. Right. And, and, and in terms of the kind of capex requirements to do that, you feel that you're having the right sorts of conversations now with debt providers and, and, and others that, again, th- those costs won't be too prohibitive for you, certainly in terms of dilution initially and then obviously being able to maintain any kind of coupon. Yeah, given, given the background, as you say, that we come and, and in terms of stock performance, we have to be very, very conscious of the timing and how we treat our shareholders in that next phase. We're, we're good. So we need to bring, you know, reasonable amount of additional money first to the table. So that means that over, you, know, you may not need to do equity all at once either because the construction work for that is eight months, right? So, so you need to make sure that you go forward with your with your share price because we're currently 160 million market cap, which is very good value if people are interested in leveraging gold, which we're highly leveraged to both cash flow coming out of the mine and the gold price because we've got so many ounces on the ground. But we're not seeing that at the moment and, and clearly we have to be very conscious. And I, I understand the questions. I'm conscious of it. I'm the largest Australian shareholder in the company. So I, I am I am also purely aware of that. No, I understand that, Milan. And look, and, and look it's, it's a delicate dance that the CEOs have to do with in terms of, you know, the cash available, the timing of spending that cash. You obviously know the answers, but getting there, you've got a you've got a trade-off between what's going to cost you yeah. now up front versus the potential it could release, you know, n- nearer term if you do do that. But the, it's it's it is a, a delicate situation and each company will come at it differently. So I'm that's why I'm kind of pushing you on it and saying, 
uh, you know, how, what's your strategy for doing this? And I'm interested that you said, you know, if the time is not right in Q1, Q2, well, we'll wait. We, that, that would be the sensible thing to do. So what's, what's your hope about the marketplace then in terms of, of, terms of prices? Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know because the one thing we're seeing at the moment is that you've got a big expansion in monetary supply around the world. You've got peak valuations on, of non, on growth stocks and tech stocks. We know that's going to change and the smart money is starting to gravitate. But you can see in the gold price performance that the world doesn't quite know what the direction is, how and when. So we've in the same way. And, and there's two things there. There's, there's that because any funding we do will be linked to having a positive view of gold going forward from where we are. Uh, secondly, uh, as you said, you don't want to be going into a construction phase if your peak costs as well, in terms of locking in your contracts that last for two years. So we've got, we've got a delicate balancing act, but we will be commercial and operating and producing good cash flow to be able to give us time to do that at the right time. Uh, without doing it just because we finished a feasibility study. Uh, and we will have produced a product where the market will see that we have a clear financeable plan that can get us to, you know, 10 years of production at 250000 And that's a product that has value to, to our shareholders. Right. So next things I'm looking, we're looking at for feasibility study resource, some sense of the economics in Q1, early, early Q1. Yep. Um, and that should answer any critics. My view is absolutely. It'll, it'll, and, and then we can start talking about there's a lot more potential beyond that, but that becomes a solid reality of getting this to a tier one scale. Okay. And then, fa- and then phase two, you'll worry about that once you've got this out of the way. Okay. Seems sensible to me. Uh, Milan, that's a nice quick update. Thank you. I know you're, um, you're, in, you're in Colorado at the moment. Is that right? I'm in Colorado, yes. How was, the, how was that? How was the conference? What were people interested in? Look, it's quite interesting. One of the biggest changes I've seen here is that the emergence of many more royalty and streaming companies as fund providers. Uh, lots of chatter about M&A, uh, interestingly enough, coming out of Canada as well, uh, which is quite interesting where we are in the, in the cycle, uh, essentially. And then in terms of, obviously, the conference was small, given that it's the largest gold conference generally in the world. There was some cancellation towards the end. Uh, it was about 600 attendees in person. I was one of the few Aussies allowed in the country, uh, the country to come here. So it was a bit of novelty, I think. Uh, but uh, no, it's good. It was it was good, but it was quiet. It was very quiet. I heard like three three hundred last minute cancellations as well. Yeah, absolutely, there was. Yeah, shocker. Yeah, shocker if you're an event organizer, and obviously a shocker if you pay yeah. money to be there and be standing in front of people. Uh, mm. But I, I but I guess uh, Zoom will come to the rescue in the next couple of weeks with those people. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> that's um, right. Hey, well, look, Milan. Um, Good uh, to catch up on the story. Good to see advancing on the ground under diff- in difficult market conditions. And I'm very much looking forward to seeing how you um, come back and um, show us that, you know, how you're cleaning up the balance sheet and moving this thing forward. Appreciate it. Thanks, Matthew. And good luck with as well. And uh, I'm looking forward to uh, talking to you again when we've uh, kicked some more goals, basically. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course, our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.